All right, guys. Heather, sing me a song about a woman who thinks she's like her mom, but in all actuality, she's probably closer to her dad no matter what she says. Or oh my. sing me a song that is just full of nothing but bullshit red herrings. Oh, my. Um, those are both very specific. Um, I told uh-huh. you one of these days you were going to get the Jastin treatment. You should have just been prepared. Yeah, I didn't think it would be the scene, though. Yeah. So you said one about where the girl thinks she's like her mom, but she's more like her dad. Yes, no matter or, what she says. Okay. Or full of red herrings. A song just full of red herrings. I feel like that song is ironic. That's the only thing I can think of. Alanis Morissette. Is that ironic. because all the things she says aren't actually ironic? And yeah. the entire song itself is a red herring? Yeah. And there's not a single thing in there where there's like the verse is only about one thing or the song is only about one thing. It's about a bunch of different things. Well, Throws you off. I would have taken that answer, but you failed because you didn't sing it. You just said the song title, which is not what I asked. You didn't even play the game right. I'm just trying to save people from I'm hearing. I'm just saying the point of the game is you're supposed to sing bad. the song. Like, watch this. If I went, hey, Justin, sing me a song about a picture. Look at this photograph. Every time we do it, makes me laugh. Nailed it. The one time that you say Justin nailed it. <laughs> Every other time you're like, no, that's not right. Hey, he 100% followed the criteria. He didn't give me any lead up. Just went, bam, song. But what if I was just making sure that was the correct song before I sang it? No, I'm, that's not, I, I don't. You, you're supposed to just sing it. And then I tell you if you answered it or not. How many times have you listened to the game? Yeah, but what if I was changing the game? If you're changing up who you ask, whoever answers can change up the rules. No, that's not how it works. It's not how it works at all. Well, I at least had a correct song that it would have been. But you didn't. It's like if you say the right answer on Jeopardy, but you don't put it in the form of a question. It's still wrong. Oh, boy. On that note, let's play the music. Hey, Cinefans, and welcome back to another episode of the Cinema Slayers podcast. As always, this is Sterling, and I am joined by Heather and Justin. We will be talking about two movies again on this episode. We are going to talk about The Photograph and Blumhouse's Fantasy Island. So as we've been doing lately, we will go spoiler-free, and then we'll give our recommendations and scores, and we'll give you a warning, and then we'll go into spoilers. We will separate these out by movie, so we'll do the photograph first, then we'll do Fantasy Island. All the time codes will be in the description, so if you need to skip around or anything like that, just check out the notes, and it'll tell you exactly where to go to do that. So, Heather, since you failed the game, give us a spoiler-free review of the photograph. Okay. I still maintain I didn't fail, but I will go first. Um, The photograph. Okay. I First impressions, it was good. I don't think it was great by any means, but I think it was good. It's better than a lot of other romantic movies that you'll see in the past couple of years, at least. Um, it was the the two main characters who was uh, Issa Rae and Lakeith Stanfield had really good chemistry together. They were um, very believable as people who were trying to get to know each other and just kind of starting out in a relationship uh, Michael and May were their names. They were great. Um, the, they definitely really 
formed the way that this movie went and formed how well this movie was made and how well it did because their performances were really um, pretty much what made this film. Like, I mean, it, it was a good story regardless, but just the fact that those were the two leads and how well they just took hold of that made it, I think it elevated it a little bit, but I think the story was interesting. Um, you know, it's one of those where it intertwines two stories or two relationships, people and stories. And it, um, yeah, I mean, it really, it makes you want to know what's going to happen in both storylines and in the relationships in the, in the movie. And it's got amazing music. I will say the soundtrack is awesome. I think it's perfect soundtrack, very smooth, very um, romantic, very, you know, just really sets the tone for what the movie is. So I really enjoyed the music as well. Um, yeah, it was, um, it was a good movie. Like it's one of those where, you know, if you're, hanging out with people or you're going on like a date or something it's a good one to watch um yeah it's it's got depth to it it has an actual story behind it that they pretty much complete the stories of what's happening and yeah it's just really it's it's pretty well made and mostly the thing you're going to love most is the um the two main performances but also the um, the New Orleans feel that you get in a lot of the movie. So overall, I say it's definitely a good movie. Not great, but a good movie. Justin, what about you? Uh, yeah, just for some uh, spoiler-free stuff here <clears throat> at the beginning. Um, I also enjoyed this film uh, for the most part. I do think uh, I follow a similar sentiment of Heather where I think that it it is a it is a good movie. It is a good love story. Um, very intelligently written, written and everything like that. I don't think it was necessarily spellbound, and I, I don't think it's going to be one of those light the world on fire movies. Um, but I definitely do recommend this to to couples. It was a good day movie. It came out on February the fourteenth, so I saw a lot of people in the theater, and um, and and for the most part, people seem to enjoy this film. So I think that that definitely speaks for the film and the audience that they were going for. Uh, it just like Heather said, uh, Issa Rae and Lakeith Stanfield were great in this. Uh, I thought that they really had a relationship. And, and and the script does a good job of 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 having you watch that relationship develop. And I like the fact that they did seem like two people who had obviously been in relationships before and for whatever reasons, those didn't work, et cetera, et cetera. So you get the feeling that they're testing each other out. And in these conversations, you see that sense of trust and that uh sense of what is this relationship going to be growing. So I think that the film does well with their interactions with each other. Um, and I even also liked the other story of the other part of this too, um, where um, you have May kind of finding out about her mother's history and things like that and how she treated relationships and all this kind of uh, comes together to tell this story, I thought quite nicely. Um, of course, with any romantic comedy or any romance, well, really romance movie in a sense, uh, this is more romance than comedy, I guess you could say. But with any movie kind of like this, uh, you're going to have some things that you're used to seeing. There are going to be some cliches. There are going to be some things that happen and friends of the main characters and, you know, just things like that that you are 
used to seeing in movies like this, but I feel like this move this movie has intelligence going for it. Uh, the the things that happen, maybe some of the things you see coming, maybe some of the things you can predict, but everything always seemed to happen in an intelligent and respectable way. And I can't say that for a lot of uh, romance movies like this all the time. Sometimes things just happen and there's no levity to it. There's no sense of depth to it. You just feel like, okay, this is just happening because the script says it's happening. But this really kind of, the characters felt real enough, genuine genuine enough, and I thought the delivery was good enough to where you believe and you follow this story up to the end. So I always say that romance movies are more about the journey, more than it is the elements and what happens. And I really think that this is a journey that people overall will enjoy. For me, uh, I'm going to say that if Issa Rae and Lakeith Stanfield aren't a couple or don't become a couple, I'm going to be very sad because I really just enjoyed their chemistry. I thought uh, it's probably some of the best I've, I've ever seen. It's, it really is just so believable and so genuine and so just amazing. I thought, I mean, it. I know they're acting, but it's one of those things that lots of times in the movie, it feels so genuine. I did not feel like they were just pretending. And I think that that's what really kind of elevated the romance in this movie over a lot. Uh, I like that while this movie did play into some of the cliches and tropes that most of these movies do, I feel like it just kind of had a better take on it and a little bit fresher way of handling it. Um, and the supporting cast was great too. I just, everything about this like movie as far as the cast and everything like that goes, uh, even the the people playing the younger versions of her mom and, and, and dad and all this other stuff, I thought were really great. Um, but yeah, this movie really, I mean, it really hinges on Lakeith Stanfield and uh, Issa Rae's ability to make it believable. And yeah, I really, really feel like they did. And uh, it's just, as far as like this type of movie, because like Justin said, it's, it's not really a romantic comedy. It does have some comedic elements to it and things like that, uh, especially from uh, Lil Ray. But in general, this is more of just a straight romance movie. And I would say that this is probably just one of the better ones I've seen in a long time, as far as actually just nailing the things that you have to nail to do so. And I, I, I think this one does nail uh, those aspects uh, in particular. Uh, so let's, I mean, fuck, we all kind of just already gave recommendations, but I mean, we still got to do our, our whole little segment of them. Uh, so Justin, recommendation and score. Yes. Do I recommend this? Uh, uh, yeah, I do. I think overall I do. Um, it, it is nice to see a film and, and just uh, being a black person, um, you, you know, it's just nice to see <clears throat> good black films. And I think that this is one of those that that's a good one. And I hope that people go see it. And I want people to see uh, more movies like this because uh because it's just uh, so well done. And like I said, it's just intelligently written and it takes care of its characters and nobody felt like a caricature or just like a pale imitation or somebody who thought that they knew how black people act, act. And, you know, there are just things that a lot of movies like that, that, that are similar to this genre have had to overcome 
over the years, but it was nice to see something like this. It was nice to see something like this for those reasons. But hey, even if you are black, there's other things to take from this. This is not just one of those where you got to be black to understand it or anything like that. I think that this is a love story that anybody can enjoy and it's layered and it has real and, and the and the couple talks about real things and there are real questions about what is the end game here and, and different fears and things that you might have in relationships. And I think that all of that is pertinent to today's times because love today is a lot different than the way it used to be. And this is one of the first movies, romance movies anyway, I've seen where I think it really uh, mirrors that in a positive way. So yes, I recommend it for all of those reasons. Um, I am going to give this movie um i think this is a solid b man a b plus so i'm gonna go 87 uh we'll say 87 um walks down the streets of new orleans listening to all kinds of wonderful jazz influenced music out of 100 heather what about you yeah i mostly agree i think it would be it's it's definitely a great romantic movie. I agree. It's not necessarily romantic comedy because it's just more romantic. And then I would say drama after that. But it is still very good. It's, it's an interesting story. It's interesting characters. They do a great job portraying these characters. Um, yeah, I mean, and it made me want to know what was going to happen in, in the film. So I would give the... I do recommend it. And I would give it... Um, I'll go a 78... Um, cozying up in the middle of a crazy hurricane out of a hundred uh for me i'm definitely i'm definitely gonna uh, recommend this it's it's probably got like i said one of the most genuine portrayals of of love and uh like a relationship that i've I've seen in chemistry that i've seen in a long long time uh the acting is fantastic uh the scenes are beautifully shot uh as jest and heather both uh brought up the the music in this is fantastic. I mean, I'm I'm a sucker for for blues and jazz and stuff like that. And so you put that in a movie, you know, you're automatically going to win some points for me. I mean, I brought that up whenever we did uh, uh, Queen and Slim. You know, you give me two people dancing to some fucking blues, you're going to get some points. And also, just also the discussions they were having with hip hop and, and and things like that, I really enjoyed. Um, I mean, there is some points against uh, the pro-Drake sediment that Issa Rae's character had, which <laughs> I, I, I can't get behind, but the pro-Kendrick from Lakeith and, and the pro-Kanye that they both had is always, that's another way to win points for me, being pro-Kanye, at least pro-Kanye before his new stuff. And I'm fine with that. I'm So, you know, those are all ways to win points with me very, very easily. And... Honestly, I feel like at times, I feel like they made this movie for me. It was like, oh, let's check all these Sterling boxes. Because it, it felt like they did. Like, check a lot of the boxes uh, to make me happy with a movie. Um, and honestly, I'm not going to lie. It's probably one I feel, as far as movies go, that were truly released in 2019. Or, I mean, 2020. Um, so I'm not going to count your, like, your 1917. Or, you know, some of these movies that came out in 2019, but for whatever reason, didn't go really wide until uh, 2020. So of your pure 2020 releases, so far this is right up there as one of my favorites. I'm going to say it slightly edges out uh, Harley Quinn, The Birds of Prey. God, that's such a stupid name to say still. 
Um, I'm going to give this a 91. Uh, 91, I really want to go to a bar slash club that's actually just a gigantically big house. Because that looks fun as fuck. Out of 100. So, I guess on that note, uh, spoilers. If you don't want spoilers for the photograph, stop now. Because uh, we're going to start them uh, now. One of my big issues, though, with this movie, and I alluded to it with my request of a song for Heather, is they go out of their way to constantly like say for her that the uh, Issa Rae's character that she's like oh she's like her mom she's like her mom she's like her mom when it came down to the end of the movie though I thought she was more like her dad and Lakeith Stanfield was more like her mom I mean what about you guys yeah I would agree with that I think um that that was my thing too because I remember like um the first moment when I, I heard that Michael like when he was getting the job in London I was like, oh, he's going to do the same thing to May that her mom did or whatever, like just going to up and leave or that her that May's mom did to her to the her dad, basically. And, you know, I was just like, oh, it's just going to be this pattern and she's going to be upset about it. So that's what I thought was going to happen with this. But then, yeah, the, the whole time she's thinking like, oh, like, I don't know how to love just like my mom doesn't. And that's not at all like the vibe I got. They were just completely different people. She was definitely a lot more like her dad, who we find out is her dad later. Okay. Um, I, I definitely get uh, some of where you're coming from. I guess uh, what I kind of interpreted it as um, at the end there was just that, uh, or I think maybe what the movie was going for was the fact that her, May's mom, I think that it was the fear of not taking that chance or the fear of not um not, not loving enough to see that that is more important than other things or the distance that there might be or the your ambitions or your differences or anything like that. So I think that um what she did different than her mother, I felt like it was one of those things that like, I don't want to make the same mistake my mom did. Like I, I, I have to learn from her mistake. Her mistake was, is that she loved, um, was that she loved, oh man, I'm forgetting the, the character's name, Rob Morgan's character, What's Isaac. His name? Isaac, yeah. Isaac, yes, yes. Um, that she, she, she loved Isaac, but could never really, but, but, but never really confronted him or told them that or went back to him when she probably should have so much so. And then she just felt like she missed an opportunity and it would never happen again. So much so that even when she had his child, she didn't think it was uh, good to even tell him about that. You know, the film was good about talking about her reasons for that and everything, but that kind of trickled even into that. Even after she had the child, she couldn't go to him and tell him that and tell him that, you know, what she probably should have told him. And he and Isaac had regrets, of course, too, but I think that that's what this movie was trying to say. And, and so I feel like for May, the, the fear was what she didn't want if she she would have repeated her mother's actions that's a better way to put it probably she would have repeated her mother's actions if she just let um michael go to london and never really told him like 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 they said in the movie that she wanted him like she wanted to be a part of his life that she wanted to try to make it work that she actually was in love with him and everything like that and wanted 
to see this thing through. And I think what her mom would have done back then is just let the person go. Yes, her mom left. And I get that that was more like um, that seems more like Michael because Michael was the one that left. But I think that really it was more about just being afraid to admit when you have real feelings there, being afraid to admit that, that that you want to keep those feelings, you want those feelings to grow and taking that chance on love that her mother didn't take. So I don't know if that helps with that, but that's how I took it. Like she went and did and admitted her love, which was something that her mom wasn't ever able to do, even after having the child is the way I took it. Well, see, for me, the reason why I think that she's more like her dad than her mom is because her dad was kind of more about being like content with what you have, like in the situation. And I don't know, May just kind of gave me those vibes. Like, you know, she wasn't really kind of looking for a man or anything like that. She was kind of just content with being who she was and not really challenging that. And I kind of feel like that that's what uh, Isaac's character was that, you know, that, all he wanted to do was love May and just stay there. And, you know, for a character like her mom or a character like Michael, you can feel love but still not be content with your life and still need to take the risks you need to take to you to to enjoy your life, to, you know, to be personally uh, fulfilled in order to have that love or to be able to accept that love. And... You know, the other characters were kind of, I just didn't, like, I felt like Isaac and, and May weren't really that way. They were just kind of content with, well, just leave it what it is. Why upset the apple cart? Just leave it how it is, you know? And that's just kind of the impressions I got from that. So that ultimately, I feel like she was like Isaac, and at the end, she just did the one thing that Isaac wouldn't do, which was not just stay content with actually being willing to, you know, take the big risk to go after the one you love instead of just loving them but just accepting that they're gone you know i mean i guess that's what i i took from it with that i don't think you're wrong about that either i think it was almost like a little bit of both but i think that from her mom she definitely realized that what her mom did that was a mistake not realizing the love she had there and leaving that and everything like that Part of that was the mistake. And then, like you said, with the father kind of just wanting her and, and being content with her. But then when she left, not going that extra mile to go after her and everything like that. So I feel like she saw the mistake in what both of them did, which is what led to her growing up the way she did, et cetera, et cetera. And I think that there, the resolve was... I can't make the same mistakes that they did. You, you know, I can't, for, for whatever the reason is, I love this guy. I need to try and pursue that. I can't do the same thing that my mom did because look at the regrets that she had and look at what happened as a result of that and look at how, and I think in that way, she had to almost learn from both of them and understand the dynamic of their relationship because then in that way, 
her mom because the whole because I remember one of the things that, that was in that letter that her mom wrote her was that she said that I'm you know I wish that I was a better parent I hope that um, I'm trying to fix a mess that I made and everything like that and um, and I feel like in the end it was kind of poetic because in a way what is the one thing that a parent hopes that a child does learn from their mistakes make better choices that they couldn't make and, and i think that kind of was what happened she learned about her parents relationship and then in the end i feel like that in the end it was a good ending because she wasn't gonna make those same mistakes so uh, but but i think you're right i think the father it was some of that too but i think that the part that she took from her mother was just not willing to really uh focus go after or i guess cherish what she had with isaac i think it was what she took from the mom and, and i think she took some from the father also like you said i think both of those are valid actually i mean and, and, and that can be very true it's just and maybe it's just because of the way the movie ended with it is why like kind of a form of like recency bias that it's just it ends when she's more like her dad. So then it, it you know, it just kind of makes you feel like that's the way it is. You know what I mean? A little bit more afterwards. And her actions do mirror the father more. And um, Michael's actions are mirroring her mother more. So I totally get where that's coming from. Yeah. And, and that's why I can't, like, say none of that is valid. Because it's definitely in there. I mean, it is. So. And then maybe the reason why... I also feel that it was like that so much is because they don't address that part of it. They address the parts she's like her mom because they say it like a dozen times. You know, I don't want to be like my mom like this. I don't want, you know, I don't, you know, I'm so much like my mom. They say that like 90 billion times and they never actually address the way she's just like her dad. And so when it's got that, like that hole there, like my natural reaction is I see these things where she's like her dad. So I want to fill that hole of them not acknowledging the fact that she does so many things like her dad, but they only bring up her mom. I'm just like, why not give, I, I, I know she was never around Isaac and I guess she wouldn't know that, but I'm just like, damn, like she's, she's got so much Isaac in her and they just want to ignore it and not say it. Yeah. Cause also, I mean, just the whole, she was just so calm and collected through whatever was happening, even when she found out that Michael was going to move to London or whatever was going on, or even when she found out apparently that Isaac was her dad, she was just very much like, okay, well, this is what's happening. You know, she didn't freak out. She didn't like try to be like, I want to run away from this or whatever. She was just kind of like, okay, this is what it is. And yeah, so I actually completely agree, Sterling. I think she was much more like her dad and she just, even just in her demeanor and her personality, you know, you just feel like that's, that's who she was a lot more like. And, um, you know, I think, I mean, I understand what you're saying too, Justin, but just naturally, I was just like, you two are so much alike. And even when they met for the first time, you feel like there was some kind of just unspoken thing that connected them. And I don't even think it was just like, okay, we're related. You're my dad. I'm your daughter kind of thing. I think it was just like the, we get it because we think the same way type of things. I don't know. That's just how it felt and how they did it for, from my perspective. And I, I do have one more question for you guys. Cause it was the one other thing that kind of majorly bothered me. Did you guys want to know what the fuck happened with Michael and his ex-girlfriend as bad as I did? 
Like, because they really kind of yes, really just and kept, they never say anything. They just kept hinting at it, and like you know, him and and May kind of have the you know the ex you know the ex conversation a little bit. But I was just like, what? No, tell us what actually happened. You would do that in a real relationship. Say what actually happened. They just kept vaguely bringing it up and teasing me with it. I'm like, I want the fucking dish. Like, gossip. <laughs> Give me the dirt here, guys. Like, they just kept piquing my interest and never gave yeah. me the, like, the, the rest of it. Yeah, and I honestly felt like they were going to have her pop back up at some point for something, you know, just because of how much they talked about her and whatever. I'm really glad they didn't do that, though, because how many times do you see that in a movie like this where everyone keeps bringing up the ex and then all of a sudden the ex shows up and that's what, you know, throws a wrench and everything. Yeah, like no, I that's was true. so glad they avoided that bullshit because yeah. that's tiresome. <laughs> like I'm fucking tired of seeing that bullshit. So I was glad that at least the problems that they faced in their relationship were unique and genuine to their relationship and not just a random ex being thrown in the matter, you know, or any of that other bullshit that feels like artificial wrenches being thrown in the machine. Like they set up very early in the movie that he was planning on going to London. And I liked that that was like the organic, oh, this is the wrench you actually use on the machine. Oh, no, it fell in the machine. Like, I liked that that was the way they handled that typical trope of things are going good, they fall apart so they can get back together thing. We know that was going to happen. I'm just glad yeah. that they kind of tailor-made that for their relationship instead of the standard one that all these other movies use. Yeah, I think Taylor made is a, a good way to describe it too, because it, that's, I think what made it feel so much like a real relationship, because you feel like the situation that was happening and how they handled the situations happening, that was very much them, not just like a, this is what should happen because of how the movie is supposed to go. And I also appreciated that because you know, even just like the the part when they're, you know, they're talking about like, oh, I'm going to move, but I also want to be with you and I don't want to be practical, but you know, whatever. You just feel like that's a real conversation that people would be having about that. And, you know, it didn't have to become this whole, you know, crazy explosion in public and then a sudden makeup and whatever. And like, I'm going to move to London for you or whatever it was. They didn't, you know, they left a lot of it up in the air because you feel like, okay, this is new. We're still trying to figure out how to do this. And it was very true to the story they were trying to tell and just very true to what a real relationship would do, you know? And I, I liked that a lot about how they did all of this and it didn't really fall into any of those common cliche things that you see in romantic movies like they had those things but like you said the tailor made like you feel like it's specifically for the story and it works with how the story's told more so than just we have to do it to do it so yeah i agree with that well and, and another aspect of it that i really liked with the storytelling is just um all of the 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 fear and uncertainty about um just where the relationship is going and um, what potentially is the end game of this thing. And I think that sometimes that does happen when you try to be in a relationship with somebody and everything like that. You're sometimes so concerned with what the end game is going to be or where is it going or is it going to work out, et cetera, et cetera, that sometimes you just for <laughs> you just sometimes lose sight or forget to just be in the moment and have a relationship. And I think that 
I just liked how they showed some of those hurdles, especially at the beginning and towards the middle, just with them being uncertain of, well, what should I say? How honest should I be? If I'm honest now, what is that going to mean for later? Uh, I love the scene right after uh, the, the the storm uh, sex scene where right after they did that and they had sex and everything. And then I love how after that happened, though, the camera lingers on them and just the look and they weren't cuddled up together. They were just kind of laying there, kind of reflecting on everything. And just I, you could feel like the uncertainty, like the questioning if this was a good decision or not. The questioning of what it, what is the end game? Is this where is this all going to lead? And just being fearful of that, of where things are going to wind up. Like, I think that that, that was one of the aspects of the film that I love the most about it. And, and that's why that whole uh, the her mother and Isaac's relationship w- was great, too, because it th- that kind of provided for May, I think, kind of a map into what could be the end game if you don't just ride those feelings more and trust in your feelings and trust in your heart and different things like that. But I just love how it the, the movie explored some of that because that is very much how it is in a lot of modern relationships and everything like that, especially people who've been in relationships and for, for a long time and they didn't work out and you know you just don't want to make the same mistakes twice and you're always it's trying to think ahead of what's happening, but you just have to be in what's happening. So I really think that the movie just uh, covered that well throughout. No, you, you are right on that. And, and, and for me, when it comes to a lot of those things, like, I mean, one of my favorite things in this movie was the line that Heather did bring up uh, when he says, when Michael says, I don't want practical, I want you. And that line is in the trailer. And I thought it was a fine line in the trailer, but when you see it within the context of the story and the situation and everything like that, it's honestly one of my favorite lines ever now. Like, it's just such yeah. a great line for that situation and how they feel, or at least how he feels. And it really sums up that tense situation that they were having at that moment that, like, he didn't give a fuck about that part. Like, that's, and it kind of goes to what you were saying, Justin. When you have those fears and uncertainties and all that stuff, but you have to be in the moment. And I think that line was him truly being in the moment, like way more so than her, which is, it, it makes sense with, yeah. the, you know, the context of the movie. But, oh, I just really fucking love that line. That's fucking great. Yeah, that was good. Yeah, agreed. And one last thing before we go on or before I move on to one of you guys. I really like that sex scene. That was good. Good, nice and sexy as they should be. <laughs> and they didn't good. they they were they were tasteful in the sense of like they didn't feel like they had to show a lot they could have but they didn't that was good about that part i mean show what you gotta show i'm just saying it was nice and sexy as a good sex scene should be i appreciate that it was nice uh so heather what about you what's some spoilerfied uh things from you yeah i mean it's Honestly, like a lot of what we had just talked about were were a lot of my thoughts on it. I mean, there's just there with this is one of those movies where there's certain scenes that stick out. There are certain things that you notice about it and like about it. And it's the one of those things where you're going to if you like it, it's going to it's going to be like a 
a very well-known liked thing because I feel like that's how they made the movie on purpose. Like doing the New Orleans flavor to, you know, the whole movie and just all of that was just very much like we know that there's going to be people that love this. And if you love it, you really love it. So I appreciated that. There's also, it was also really cool to me how, you know, when you see the the flashback scenes of May's mom and Isaac, um, Christina and Isaac, and they're, you know, they go to New Orleans for the weekend with their friends and the, the place that they're having the party at. That was a great scene. And then you see in the future when that's like where May and Michael are at and they visit, you know, several, several years later. And I thought that was a really cool thing to do. Like just kind of, you know, it's subtle enough to where you're like, this is more modern and this is revamped and it's different than it was, but you can tell the setup is the same. And I just thought that was really cool that they kind of made it like a, Oh, this is where their love story kind of started taking off. And now it's where theirs is. So I thought that was a really good touch to add to the movie. Um, Yeah. I just, it's a very kind of, like you said, Sterling, it's a very, it's just a very sexy, classy, good film you know you don't feel like anything is forced you don't feel like anything is just like we're putting this in there just to put it in there you're very much just following the relationship of these two people and um it's just really good i mean you know it's not like a the the thing of oh we hated each other at first and we didn't like each other and oh now we love each other you know they very much were very into each other from the beginning and it's just more true to real life than a lot of these love stories that you see these days. And I, I really just enjoyed that aspect and I cannot stress that enough. Um, I have always been a fan of Lakeith Stanfield. I think everything he does is really great, whether he's a minor character or the main character, he's just very good in all of the roles I've seen him in. And Issa Rae, I really had only seen her in her show uh, Insecure on HBO, which I really like. Uh, she's so funny, you know, she's really funny in that. She's a great writer. She writes a lot of it. And this was kind of my first time seeing her in a super dramatic performance or just a super real non-comedy performance. And she was amazing in it. She did such a good job. She's so beautiful too. Like she really just kind of steals the screen when you see her. She's so beautiful. So I just think that you know, I don't know if it was the way that they shot it where they're like, we want to make her stand out or whatever it was, but they just really did a good job of of making these people seem very much um, untouchable in a sense. Like they're very much like we're real people, but we're kind of on our own level, you know, and it was just the, the feel of the movie and the vibe of it was great. And honestly, it really wouldn't be the same movie without that music. <laughs> it was so good. But um I also really liked the relationship between Michael and his brother, Lil Rel. I think that was really good. Their dynamic was great. He was the comic relief and he's actually, he's just very funny. And I think that he was a good choice to play that role. And yeah, I mean, I just, I, I liked seeing him as like, oh, he's supposed to be the responsible. I think he was older brother. I don't know if they specify, but it seemed like he was an older brother. And yeah, he's just kind of always looking out for him. And that was really good. I think I do think also it was obvious that Isaac was um, May's dad. I kind of I, I kind of saw that one coming, but I'm not mad about it. I think it makes sense for what the story was and how beautiful yet tragic it was at the same time. And um, yeah, it's just everything that they did was really good. I think really the only thing for me is just 
I don't know why, but for me, I feel like some of the pacing of it was a little bit slower. Uh, not to a fault of taking me out of the movie, but just, I don't know, I just feel like the movie felt longer than it actually was because I just remember leaving the theater and thinking, oh, I thought it was going to be later than this. <laughs> you know, and I don't know if that's a bad thing or a good thing or if it means I just got lost in the time of what the movie was doing, but. It just, it felt to me like it kind of was a little slower paced or the pacing was a little off. And I think they're transitioning between the older story and the newer story could have been a little bit smoother in some spots. Um, again, it's not to the point where it throws you off completely or takes you out of the movie. But for me, I just feel like those are some things that could have maybe been a little bit tighter in how they did it. But otherwise, yeah, I agree with the things that you guys were saying and just um yeah it's just a really enjoyable film justin what about you um yeah i think i also liked that dynamic as well with um michael and his brother i thought that any time that they had interactions kyle was the character's name or yeah like uh Little Rel, um, I, any of those interactions, I really liked them. I, I thought that those were always funny reactions or you always just got a little bit about their personalities from those interactions. And it just felt like two people that knew each other. You know, it didn't feel uh, forced or just ham-fisted any time they had scenes together. So I really enjoyed all of those scenes. I thought that that was um I, I, they were just entertaining all the time. And like uh, Heather said, this is a talented and beautiful looking cast. These are all attractive people. So, you know, they just kind of light up the screen and everybody just uh, came to work with a mindset to really embody these characters. And I really feel like that comes across uh, throughout. Um, and I get kind of what Heather's saying about the pacing and everything like that. Um, I, I felt like the film pretty much just has one pace. I, it, I feel like it was pretty methodical throughout. I, I don't know if there was ever a moment where it felt faster paced or it was like, oh, no, I got to get over here because we're on a time limit or something like that. I don't know if it ever felt like it was rushing to get anywhere or that it was um, moving faster than it normally was. I feel like it just kind of had a nice methodical cruise from beginning to end and I, I know that that sometimes that can be jarring for some people and they prefer things kind of pick up and slow down and you have peaks and valleys and things like that uh but i thought for the way the movie was it was fine it, it, it was it was supposed to be one of those kind of or at least i felt like it was supposed to be kind of one of those slowly developing let things marinate uh let movies and it's supposed to be one of those you know we're filling each other out we're, we're 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 trying to understand each other and then as we come to understand each other you get more true and more honest and then something happens and it's like oh no now we gotta overcome that and then it's slowly then the movie's kind of slowly chipping away at these problems and then finally we get to the solution of the the film or the resolution of the film so um, I think in that way, the, the, the pacing definitely works. 
Um, but but yeah, but I can see how that could probably be uh, jarring for some people. Just thinking about the the people that I watched it with at the movie theater, it was interesting because it was. I, I want to say it's kind of one of those movies that just kind of. Uh, makes people just be more quiet i think like i did notice that like when the movie like as the movie was starting i noticed that i was sitting around like a bunch of like like there were a lot of people that were loud and making noise and stuff like that in the movie theater as the film was starting and trying to react to things or they would see somebody or muscles and girls commented oh look at him or he's fine or whatever the case may be but it's interesting because as the movie was going and as it's going at that cruise pace, I just noticed that everybody was just quiet and just kind of listening and absorbing and just uh, hanging on to what the characters were saying. So I don't know. I mean, maybe I wouldn't allow this for every movie, but I think for this movie, it kind of works, though, just given what it was. And since it is more romance than it is comedy. Maybe you kind of needed it to be that way. Uh, I, I think maybe if it was a little bit more on the comedy side, it might have picked up at parts or been a little bit zanier or more funny or something may have needed to move faster for comedic effect. But since this was more methodical and intelligent, I think that might explain uh, the the tone of it, if you will. No, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, but you guys did remind me of a couple of things. Uh, and it was, it was one thing that Heather said, um, that this movie kind of just feels like it's like, it's got like some new Orleans flavor to it and stuff like that. And to me, I'm actually going to even go a step further and say that it does more have that, the, you know, that new Orleans style blues, jazz, R and B flavor to it, uh, specifically with it. And in doing so, I think kind of like shows that I have a type when it comes to movies like this, cause I'm also a huge, huge fan of brown sugar which you know it's got tay diggs and uh Sine latham and it's one of those movies that and it intentionally does so uh feels a lot like a hip-hop song and stuff like that so i think if you've got a romantic movie that feels like a particular genre of music that i really connect with i'm probably gonna really like your movie and i just realized i had a type when it comes to when it comes to movies like this another one is hmm. the movie wedding date and hear me out I'm not a huge fan of Michael Buble, but the movie kind of feels like a Michael Buble song. <laughs> yeah, I get that. So yeah, I've just got a type apparently when it comes to romantic movies. I need to, I don't know. I don't know if I have a problem with that or not because I like them. So I'm just going to keep watching them. And this, and I will say this though, <laughs> Brown Sugar and uh, Wedding Date don't have anything on this movie though. Like I love those movies. I think they're utterly fantastic and severely underrated, especially Wedding Date. Because, like, I think it's most people actually hate it and consider it garbage. I think it's innumerably underrated. But this one's not. This one's just great. And I think, I don't want to say undeniably so, but I want to say almost undeniably so. I'm still going to even go there, even though I don't want to say it uh, with that. Because it really does have, and like you said, Justin, a lot of it has to do with, like, it, it does have a very methodic pace to it. It's very intentional. And to me... Yeah, it really that really adds something to it because the pace in which they go feels more authentic to actual relationships. Whereas in yeah. most movies when they try to be utterly comedic and you know, and they the pace 
wildly varies because like those movies feel like they're going from like a breakup to together to utterly in love to they can't fucking stand each other to they're back in love and it feels like five days pass when in all actuality they're probably showing you know like a year's worth of time you know develop in their relationship but it just feels like five days because it's just so all over the place with how they're doing things and and like with this movie i appreciated the fact that like while they did have that falling out it wasn't that overly dramatic falling out of where like their heart like worse you know they're heartbroken and devastated and like like they hate the other person type of shit you know they were heartbroken and they were sad but it's like but it didn't feel like i don't know like it was just like where where that happens in other movies like it it and it's something that we brought up earlier. It felt more organic in this. Like their, you know, lull in the relationship fit more with the situation that was going on than, like I said, all these other situations you typically see. Like, I love forgetting Sarah Marshall. I think it's a great romantic comedy. But, like, all that bullshit when, like, Sarah Marshall gets dumped by Russell Brand's character and she tries to hook up with him and then he tells me, like, Kunis and then, like, she hates him and all this other shit just for her to come like back to LA to find him later. You know what I mean? Like that seems a little forced in that scenario. And I just really appreciate that this one didn't do that. And I think a lot of it has to do with all, like you said though, Justin, it was very expertly paced in my opinion. No, I totally get that. And yeah. Um, and yeah. And I think, uh, and, and like uh, to Heather's point though, it's going to be one of those where I do think that there might be people that go in there and they kind of expect something more familiar, familiarly paced, kind of like what Heather's talking about, where it's a little faster and it has peaks and valleys and different things like that. But you but but you find out really quickly that that is not the kind of movie that this is. And so it's uh, th- th- this is something where I think um even if it's not appreciated as much now, I think it'll, as more movies like this come out, it'll just be appreciated more because honestly, I haven't, like you said, like not since like Brown Sugar or maybe like Love Jones or Love and Basketball, I really haven't seen a movie that was kind of soulful and methodical like this in a long time. It really has just been kind of the faster pace, uh, up and down peaks and valley comedies that we're kind of, that we've kind of grown accustomed to. So it was a breath of fresh air, but I imagine this was different for some people. And I could see people coming out going, well, I, well, it was a little boring or this, that, and the other. I wasn't. But I do think that that pace is something that's going to have to grow on people, I think. Oh, see, I man, I I find it very hard to believe. And, I'm, and I know I'm wrong. But, like, when I watch this movie, I find it very hard to believe that someone can get bored with this movie. It's just their, relation, their relationship is so fucking captivating. Like... And I do think it's funny that, like, this movie is only, like, 50% about May and Michael. And the other 50% is about her parents. And we really haven't commented all too much on their relationship or those aspects of the movie. And it's not because anything, to me, was wrong with those parts or they weren't good parts or, you know, anything like that. It's just, to me, the Michael and May relationship, like I said, was so captivating. Like, yeah, that's, that's true. That's just all I, I want to talk about. And like I said, I've got no problems with the other parts of the movie. Because like I said, that takes up about 50% of the movie. And 
like listen to my score. I really liked this movie, so I had to have liked those other parts a lot to get to a 91 considering they take up 50% of this movie. It's just, like I said, all I want to talk about is Michael and May, though. Fuck, they were great. Loved it. No, that... I do actually, I, I would agree with that. And it's weird too, because I feel like um, some of the more complicated types of personalities and things that came out seem to be from her parents' relationship. And honestly, Isaac, for me, was one of my favorite characters in this movie, because you also get to see his progression and sort of his life and how he's turned out and what he's learned from the time he was super young to now. And I, I really enjoyed his story arc. I just enjoyed basically his character and and everything like that. So, and it's interesting because I say that, but I still was more interested in May and Michael's relationship too. Um, and it is, it's a very captivating story. And the pacing I do think is slow, but I don't, I mean, it's not slow in the sense of it's boring. It's just slow in the sense of like, and maybe my expectation of how the movie was going to be paced was different than what it was. But it really just very much took the pacing of, nope, this is a brand new relationship and we're getting to know each other and whatever. And it's just also, I think, says something to the writing of this movie, too. If you can write a movie where a lot of the dialogue is very like it's a very much dialogue between two people you know, in their own relationship, but we can be drawn into it. Like, like you were saying with the, let's talk about our favorite rappers and why, and just the detail they put into those conversations, but they're so natural. Like that's a conversation you could literally hear anyone having. And it's like, yeah, that's a normal conversation. It doesn't have to be the overtop. Tell me about your dreams. Tell me your hopes. What's your, you know, like you don't go into that right away on a first date. They were having normal conversation about a first date thing. And you're still captivated by those little conversations that don't amount to anything really, you know? And I think it just, it it says a lot for the writing of this movie as well. So I think when you're going to have a movie that's going to move at that slower pace, so you could see those more intricate details of, you know, becoming more into each other and starting up that new relationship, it has to have that good writing or else it's not going to land the way that it did here. You know, and and the funny thing is too that uh, when we we're talking about this and and Justin, what you said made me think about it when you're talking about how it's been a while since you've kind of seen like a more methodical and slow paced romantic movie like this, and you know that's one reason why you appreciate it or something like that. But it's really not. It actually hasn't been that long when and I didn't think about this until I looked it up because it, it, you caused me to look it up. But like a Star Is Born was last year or two years ago. Like we were, I mean, we were you know, fairly early in the podcast when we started that. And A Star is Born is very much like that. Um, and I was just, like I said, I was going through all these. And one that if you haven't seen it, Justin, or anybody else out there, um, that if you do like this, that I really would suggest is a movie called Enough Said. It's got James Gandolfini and Julia uh, Louise Dreyfus in it. And it's a fantastic movie kind of along the lines of this. Yeah, wasn't that, I think, one of his last movies, I think, before yes. he died? Yes, it is. I've heard of it, but yeah, I have not seen that. So yeah, I'll have to check that out for sure. Yes, it's it's not as sexy as this movie. This movie is way sexier, but it's really good. It's really good. In, in the same type of methodical romantic movie type of way, you know, it really kind of falls in the line. But like I said, like, yeah, we all, you know, us three did the podcast for Born, uh, 
a star is born or born a star. I can never fucking get that name right. I still can't uh, to this day. And but it's it's kind of the same thing though. It really is with that type of movie. And it's just it's funny that like I guess when you end up watching so many movies or just I don't know as time passes, you just kind of forget sometimes how recent other stuff can be, or also how far away it can yeah. be. Like yeah, there's there was a meme going around last year where you know they were talking about how it's crazy that. You know, the year 2000 was 20 years ago, and so was the year 1980. And I'm not a big meme person, but, like, that really hit home for me. Because, like, I'll think of things, and I'm like, oh, like, 20, 25 years ago, my mind automatically jumps, like, to the 80s. Yeah. And it wasn't. Like, that's 30-plus years ago at this point. I mean, you know, the year 1980 itself was 40 years ago. But in my mind, if you say 25 years ago, it will jump to, like, 1988 even though it should go to 1995, you know? And I, I just think it's, that was just interesting that like, you know, things like that happen where, you know, you, you're like, oh, you know, like it's been so long since I've movie seen a movie like this. It's been a year and a half. <laughs> and it's just, there's so much stuff and like, there's so many different things and uh, that, that we watch and see and things like that, that yeah, I, I, like I said, I wouldn't have thought when you said that, I felt the same way until I literally looked up romantic movies of the 2010s. And I was like, oh, damn. There's a lot of shit here that you just, it just, it just feels so long ago because of everything else. There's just a little tidbit I thought of. Well, Anne looked up. Mm, yeah. Cool. Cool. I mean, do you guys have any other thoughts though on the photograph? Nope. I'm good. Okay. So now it is time for Blumhouse's Fantasy Island. Uh, we'll, we'll swap it out a little bit. We're still going to do no spoilers, recommendations, and then spoilers. But this time, Justin gets to go first. What are your spoiler-free thoughts on Fantasy Island? Mm, what are my thoughts on Fantasy Island? Well, uh, if I guess if I had a fantasy about this, then if I went to the island, then a better movie would have been produced. That would have been my fantasy uh, for this film. That's uh, very can, succinct. <laughs> can I recommend this well, no no um, no not yet not on that part we're not going to oh, fully uh, handling all this we're okay not, <laughs> we're not oh we're not damn it no i've damn got it, i thought that's what was happening that's because i've <laughs> okay. got i've got some things i do need to say about this movie <laughs> okay 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 we won't go there just yet okay well yes. uh i mean if that's I mean, if that's all you gotta say i mean that's fine i'm just saying don't give a recommendation to the score yet okay okay cool um well, I'll just say that this is th- this is a tough recommend for me. Um, I won't go into scores or anything yet, but it, it's a tough recommend because I struggle to say what I think a person might enjoy from this. I mean, man, it's just chalked full of <laughs> characters that, I mean, like there were just times where I was just sitting there shaking my head. I mean, I definitely think it maybe this is one of those movies I, that you go and you can just kind of make fun of it. Maybe that could be uh, one of the appeals of something like this, well, but I think you're being again, generous even saying they're characters. But, but, <laughs> but then again, I don't know, man. It's not, it's not bad. It's not stupid enough. To where it would be fun to for somebody to spend money and then do that. So I don't know if I can even say that. And like you said, man, it's just hard to call these people characters. Most of this plot consists of you meet someone. In a, in a lot of ways, it was almost kind of like cats in the sense that you meet someone. 
they exposit a bunch of stuff and then stuff happens and then we meet the next person. Justin. They have, they have, what? <laughs> it's not cats. Don't, don't, don't do this movie that bad. It's not cats. No, it's but I'm saying good, the, the format. <laughs> okay. No, but I'm, I'm just saying, saying that, no, but you what said I'm talking that, about is a format. I was like, damn, I feel bad <laughs> for this movie now, and I just want to say nice things to make it feel better after you said it's like cats. I'm like, oh man. No, I'm like, it's similar to cats in its format. Like the way it goes about telling its story was similar to me. We meet a character, they get ex they they exposit a bunch of stuff. And then something, and then an event happens, and then we get another character, and they exposit a bunch of stuff, and then stuff happens, and then another character, and then they exposit. That's what it kind of felt like to me. So then when these big things are happening, you just don't care because all the, because the film just spends a lot of time just expositing things to me, but I don't see enough of those things. I don't, it doesn't give me enough of these characters, I guess you call them, to for me to care about their plight or what they're going through or anything like that. It just doesn't do a good enough job of that at all. And for a film that follows so many different characters and then they try to throw in all of these red herrings and plot twists at the end, and I just didn't feel like any of it worked. So it just wasn't a, a movie that I really enjoyed at all. I was just kind of there going, why is this happening? Why is that happening? Why would this character do this? Why would this character do that? What what they just told me doesn't explain why this character is doing this. And just a character would go, oh, this is my fantasy. Then five minutes later, well, actually, there was this other thing that I wanted to do. So now I want the fantasy to be about that. It was just weird, man. Like, there was just stuff happening, bro. And so I just... So because of that, and it wasn't the enjoyable kind of stuff where it's like, oh, man, this is so bad that I'm enjoying laughing at this. Sometimes it made me laugh. And other times I was just sitting there going, oh, my gosh, just just please end. And and it felt so long. And this is a short film. I mean, this is like what average length of a film. But, man, it felt longer because I just after the beating I took for the first 40 to 50 minutes, I just, that last 20 or 30, man, I just wanted it to end. I, I was just like, okay, please, what is the resolution? Just please get there. Please, please just get there. Please, God, please stop. Like, at, at, at one point, I just wanted it to end. So, yeah, that, that would be, and I'll go into more specifics here after we get out of the spoiler section, but man... Um, you know, those are just a few of my non-spoiler thoughts uh, so far. I, I do want to say one thing real quick before Heather goes that just really has to do with what you just said, Justin. Was someone texted me during this movie, uh, like asking when it would be done. I was like, oh yeah, it's almost done. It's got like probably five or ten minutes left. And what I didn't realize when I said that, because that's what it felt like. That's It felt like it was coming to its natural conclusion of a movie. And that was before the big plot twist of the end. I literally misjudged that by 30 minutes and had <laughs> no idea that that was what was in store for me. I was just like, yeah, no, like five yeah. ten minutes, like it's almost done. And then it just kept going. And then that twist happened. And I'm like, this movie's never going to end. <laughs> yeah. I've got like at least another <laughs> hour left at this point. Fuck. Like, how did I misjudge it that bad? And then afterwards, when the movie was done, I was like, I didn't misjudge it. This movie misjudged it. It wasn't me. It's the movie's fault. And I'm glad, I'm just glad that you felt the same way that I'm like, it wasn't my fault. 
it should have just ended nine times before it did. Yeah, and I bet anything when we get to the spoiler section, I bet the part that you bring up about where you thought it might have been about to end, I bet that's the same part I was at when I thought it was going to end. And then it just continues for a good 27 minutes more. And I was and I bet we're thinking about the exact same point in the movie, I bet. I'm almost willing to bet money on it. Yeah. And it's like you said, it's it's not even the average length of a movie. It's it's on the short side of a movie now. It's about an hour and a half, including credits. Like that's on the short side of movies now. Yeah. And it just <laughs> did not end. Uh Heather, so what about you? What are your uh spoiler free thoughts on this movie? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I I can't disagree really with what's being said. I I I mean, was it the worst movie I've ever seen? No, it wasn't. Um honestly, there were some entertaining parts like the story itself and figuring out, you know, each character and what's about to happen with them and what's actually going to go wrong in their fantasy that they have. That was interesting to me, like following those stories and following what was about to happen. I was into that. I was interested. I wanted to know. I wanted to see that through. Um, yeah, a lot of the extra red herring stuff, all of the extra just throwing things in there just because things that happen. Um, not not my favorite. Um, there definitely was a lot of why in it, a lot of no in it. <laughs> There was just, you know, it was, it, it felt like it was all over the place. It felt like it really was, it was trying to be, it was trying to do more than it was actually capable of doing with the story and the script that they gave you. So, um, you know, I, I'm on the fence with this one, honestly, because um, there were a lot of things about it that I was like, okay, that's good. Like, I enjoyed it more than I expected to enjoy it going in. I will say that much for it. Um, I can't really say, yeah, I mean, I know we'll get into it, but I can't really say that I care too much specifically for any one character all that much. Um, you know, it wasn't like necessarily relatable. It wasn't anything like that, but it was, you know, but I, I think with a lot of horror movies and whatever, you don't really necessarily expect that anyway. So it's kind of like par for the course, I guess. So, I mean, yeah, I, I, it's better than some other horror movies and movies in general that I've seen in the past several months. But I wouldn't say it's definitely better than any movie. So I'm really on the fence with this one. Um, I, I can't agree with Heather when she says that she liked it better than she thought she would going into it. Because if you go back to our end of year movie podcast... We talked about what we're looking forward to this year. This is one of the movies I said I am looking forward to this year. There was no one more ready for this movie than me. And now I, it kind of makes me feel like I regret every fucking choice I've made in my life. Yeah, this is the one you said you were most looking forward to this year, I think. Yes, other than the Candyman. Because the Candyman is the one I'm looking forward to the most. But what the fuck? This is not the movie it should have been at all. This movie and I will go into it more later, suffers from what I have now coined the perfect getaway syndrome when it comes to red herrings. This movie just fucks itself by doing that. And this movie also forgets why I was excited about this movie, which is the premise of you can have a really good horror film based on people living out their fantasies, but not fully grasping the idea or the the maybe unexpected consequences of what could happen 
by having your fantasy granted. Like, this movie misses the mark so bad that calling back an old video game franchise of Twisted Metal, where the Twisted Metal franchise, the ending of each character's storyline was like the hallmark of that. Like the whole be careful what you wish for mm-hmm. type of thing. And the worst version of those was Twisted Metal 3 because it was just, it went comedic with them. And now they did a very good job of making up for it with Twisted Metal Black. But, I mean, because in Twisted Metal 3, you had the character Mr. And this is, to me, the most egregious example. You had the character Mr. Grimm. And he was like, oh, so your, you know, your wish is to collect all the souls on Earth. And now you've done that. And now you're just here for mine. Here you go. And Calypso just grows really big and steps on him. So he's getting the soul of his shoe. That's what this movie was. It completely... <laughs> Missed the mark on what would have made it good. And it it almost was that. It teased me. Like, because the trailers made me think that that's what they were going to do. And then a couple of the fantasies kind of played out that way. And then it just went, nope, fuck it all. We're doing a bunch of garbage now. And that's all this movie did. And it made me so horrendously sad that I had to sit there and watch it. For the extra half hour that this movie apparently had that I didn't know existed. But, and I'm now curious to to now compare notes with Justin on that part. So, um, recommendation and scores. I'll go ahead and start this. No, I don't recommend it. It makes me sad. This movie gets <laughs> 17, fuck you for ruining my whole year of 2020 out of 100. Uh, I don't know. Heather, you go. Why not? <laughs> um, I mean... Do I recommend it? Not really. <laughs> I'm really mostly indifferent for the most part about it. Uh, so, you know, if you're just kind of like wanting to see a movie for the sake of it <laughs> because you have nothing else to do over the weekend, sure, why not? But not really. I can't really say there's anything about this movie that stands out or is worth really saying, yeah, you have to watch this movie. So, no, I don't really recommend it. Ah, let me go with, um, uh, um, I'll go with 48, um, 40, 48, uh, random, unnecessary torture scenes for your high school bully out of a hundred. Justin, what about you? Man, I'm, I'm just such a big, I'm a big fan of Michael Pena, but I just, I'm just trying Agreed. to understand why it's he that did same it. disappointment. It's that same disappointment. I totally get it. Michael Pena, why'd you do that? He is amazing. I love him, I love but him. I completely agree. Why did you do it, man? Why? Okay, look, man. I, I know everybody gotta make money, man. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna act like I don't know why he did this, but man, oh my gosh. Uh let's we're just gonna go with twenty seven. Michael Pena. Why did you do this out of a hundred? Hey, hopefully he got a nice swimming pool out of this movie. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> right. All right, spoilers. If anybody gives a fuck, we're doing spoilers now for uh, Blumhouse's Fantasy Island. Um, so, Justin, did you think the movie was about to end whenever the like the military fantasy and the rich kids have it all fantasy ended up combining into one fantasy? Yes! Yeah, yes. it felt like it had five, <laughs> yeah. ten minutes left at that point, right? Yeah. Like, all yeah. the fantasies were going to end up combining into one, and then, you uh -huh. know, three of them were going to live, and the movie was over. Like, that's what I... I was like, yes, this is where it is. And then it just kept going. 
and devolved yeah. into just utter garbage. It's like this movie was going along, and it got to that scene, and then it got hit by the de-evolution ray from the Super Mario Brothers movie and just devolved into another movie. <laughs> yeah, pretty much, man. Like, what like, the fuck was going on? Man, I knew it was the same part. I knew it was because, <laughs> yeah, when, when you get evidence that they're that they're combined that they're combining them in a way, you're like, oh, okay. Now all the stories are going to converge, and then we'll have a resolution. Yes, because that's, that's the, the natural same. point of a movie. They start together. <laughs> they get separated in all their fa- individual fantasies. They all start going haywire. They merge together in a big climactic thing, and they're done. Yeah. So then, but then, what happened is that. <laughs> Maggie Q's character, who's <laughs> Elena, all of a sudden it's her and Michael Penny, and she's like, "Well, by the way, uh, there's another <laughs> fantasy that where uh, with a burning bill that I didn't save a person, so I need to go do that." And now we're doing that. So then we have to explain that and do that, and then we saw Patrick in there, and I went, "Oh, he's in there." <laughs> And then all of a sudden, it was just doing something else. And we had a chance to combine all of this, and we just kind of didn't. And then, you know, it just kept going with that Dr. Terror guy and all that stuff. I don't know, man. It and just, what the fuck was that character, Dr. Torture? What the fuck Dr. was that? <laughs> that was supposed to be her psychiatrist or whatever? What the fuck was that? Like, yeah. what about him looked like her psychiatrist? Because apparently he did enough to where when he pulled down his mask and his mouth was sewn shut, she goes, Dr. Torture. Like, what? What? What the fuck was that? And what did Michael Rooker do in this movie at all? Like, what was his character? I know he said some lines and did (laughs) shit. Yeah. But what did he actually do? (laughs) He just, he hid well behind trees and like peeked around (laughs) corners really well. I thought it was convincing when he did that. I mean, I could do that, Justin. <laughs> you can put a shitty garbage-ass wig on me, and I can do the same shit. Because also, what the fuck was that wig? Like, what was that bullshit? I mean, this movie, which I'm looking it up right now, I didn't realize it was going to be PG-13 either. Like, which I think hurts it. It should have just been rated R, and they should have really fucking gone for it. Like, <laughs> this movie has the some of the worst red herrings I've seen since The Perfect Getaway. Like, when you come to the denouement, and it's the climax of the movie, and it's the conclusion, and you find out they're all actually in Lucy Hale's twisted revenge fantasy to kill them all. But at no point in that movie did she act like that when no one else was around. I kind of give it the slightest pass on some of the scenes when she's, like, setting up the camera so she can record it, because she does use that later to further, you know... Her, her plan, if you will. But oh, look, I saved your life. Yeah, yeah, that whole part. But that's a stretch, too. Because what if that chick just fell and broke her neck in the jungle before then and you didn't even get to use it? Like, that was a very serendipitous moment for you know her to be able to use that exact moment. And she queued up the exact moment when she saved her life. She didn't queue up <laughs> any of the bullshit before it when she's like, I'm going to torture the fuck out of you, bitch, because I hate you. She magically opened her phone to skip all that, to just have the saved your life moment happen. <laughs> but like before she set up her phone to do all that, she wouldn't have been acting like that if that was her plan. If her plan was to get revenge on all these people, she wouldn't have acted like that. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's, it's a disservice. That scene is there solely 
to intentionally mislead the audience in a disingenuous way. And we talked about that with another movie recently. I don't remember what, because it was some movie we were shitting on. But, I mean, the worst example of it is The Perfect Getaway. And if you haven't seen Perfect Getaway, I don't give a fuck if I spoil it for you. It's the worst red herrings ever. Because the two characters that are the killers in that movie are the main characters in the movie. And there are huge moments of time during the movie where they are the only two around. It's not like there are other characters there that might hear them. No, they're the only people there on an island or anywhere near them. And they're sitting there having a conversation of, oh no, do you know who the kid Like, we got to be careful. There's a killer here. You know, we got to make sure the killer doesn't get us. Who could the killer be? Do you think we've met the killer already? I don't know. It could be these people because they were mean. They could be the killer. When they're the killers, they would never have that conversation because they know they're the killers. It wasn't like they had split personalities and they didn't even know they were the killers. No, they knew they were the killers the entire time. And yet they have a conversation amongst themselves on who the killers could be. And that's the type of shit that this movie does with that. Whenever it so disingenuously tries to make you not think that they're all a part of Lucy Hale's thing to where Lucy Hale doesn't act like the character she actually is when she's by herself. Yeah. And that is just such a common error that they talk about in film writing. And you see it in a lot of critiques that people do of films all the time, but it's just like, and the way that they always send it, or I see them uh, criticize it is that they say, well, the character is doing something that, this character is doing something, is performing an action or doing something, not something that the character themselves would do, but this is something that the screenwriter would do because they're aware that they're writing for an audience. And that's kind of what that is, man. It's it's not any, like you said, if this is her fantasy and she's setting up everybody to do this, this character would not say or do these things as if, they are doing it as if they know there's a camera and the audience is looking at this. They would be going through trying to make sure that this nefarious plot works out, but they wouldn't be sitting there doing acting like they don't know or doing things like, oh, and being surprised when things are happening and stuff like that if they set this all up. And it's true, man. It's, um, it's not anything the character would do, but the screenwriter is thinking that because the, the, the screenwriter is aware that there's an audience that's going to be watching this. And that happens a lot in movies where characters will just do things. And you and it feels like, oh, well, the screenwriter told the character to do this, but this is not what the character would do or say. It happens so often. I mean, it really is disingenuous and offensive when movies do that. I'll give a movie a pass if it happens like once. Like in a small moment, whatever. But when you intentionally go throughout an entire movie that way, you're being disingenuous to your audience. Like the whole point of a big twist is to give you that realization of the things you missed and to catch you off guard with those things. When you intentionally don't give your audiences anything to miss other than her looking at a picture, which was dumb on top of that, you're being disingenuous. You're being lazy. You're being a dick. Yeah. And what infuriates me, too, is that there were a lot of pieces about this, and the concept do doesn't seem like a bad concept. And if it had maybe become this thing of, well, whose fantasy are we actually in? You know, we're all here, 
but it becomes sort of this thing of, but whose fantasy is this exactly? That might have been kind of fun. But the problem is that we don't really get to that concept of it until too far at the end. And by that time, you just don't care. And so it's now then it starts trying to go, Okay, well, whose fantasy is it? Is it his? No, it's not his. Is it hers? No, it's not hers. Oh, it's is it hers? Yes, it's got to be hers. Oh, it's not hers. No, it's mine. But by the time we get there, they hadn't set up enough pieces or things for us to care about that concept. So it just feels cheap at the end. You know, it just doesn't feel earned at all. And I wish that that's, I wish that they had kind of planted that seed early on so that it becomes kind of this thing of you trying to figure out, okay, whose fantasy is this actually? And then you get to the end and maybe that would have landed a little bit better. But I feel like, like you said, and there's just a whole message about be careful what you wish for and different things like that. I really think that there something there was something here that could have been great and it just wasn't man and and i just and that's really sad you know that that's why a movie like this is sad because you see the potential in it you know yeah like the one storyline where they did that was the two brothers storyline where he was like yeah sometimes when you have it all other people want it too like that was an interesting version of that and they could have done other versions of that i mean this movie would have made more sense if they introduced a random character at the end of the movie and just that person been like, oh, I was that guy's mother and I hate all of you. That would have made more sense. Even if they, she wasn't in the movie, the rest of the movie, it would have made more sense just to do that. Or yeah, or to, to fuck it, have it be the bully. Have it actually be her fantasy. Because like that was her brother or something, it turns out. You know what I mean? Like it turns out that that was her brother that died in that fire. And you could have had Lucy Hale's character instead of, looking forward to their date or whatever, you know, she could have changed when she went to college or whatever. And he could have had a crush on her, not knowing that that was the person that tormented, you know, his sister or whatever, or his sister tormented her. And like, she could have blown him off because like, you know, she reinvented herself and she's like, Oh, I'm too good for you. And then that's why he was home that night. And then that's why he died in the fire. Like that would have made more sense. Yeah. What the fuck they did? Like, Holy fuck. That was bad. And like you said, it's it's all that potential. And like, you know what? It would have been more interesting also if they had done some of that shit where like you have somebody show up and they could have a weird, creepy sexual fantasy. And that'd be the like the first one they show that then ends up lead to like the first horror moments or something. You know, they you know, they're like fantasy is to like, you know, you know, fuck more than anybody, you know, in existence or something like that. And then they literally start getting like fucked so much that it like becomes torture and they want it to end because they're dying from it. And then they die from, it. you know what I mean? Like that little teaser moment you always get at the beginning of a horror movie that yeah. it's like that first death to kind of warm you up to like, Oh shit's going to go wrong type of death. You know, something like that, you know, just anything like that. Like they should have had that warm up death and they didn't have that because also that's another cheap thing about this movie. Like, one person dies. Like, come the fuck on. This is supposed to be like a horror thriller movie. You can't have one guy die at the end. Even though, like, I guess the brother died, but he comes back to life. Like, you had all these, like, you can't just have people die at the end of the movie. Yeah. It's a horror thriller movie. You have to have somebody die in the first, like, six minutes. Or what the fuck's the point? 
Like, that's what makes these movies good. Or, I mean, not necessarily even good. At least just something fun to watch. If you're, like you said, if you're making fun of it. You know what I mean? At least give us those tropes that, you know, like, that tie us into something to where you're like, it's just like watching Jason versus Manhattan. You know, like, those garbage horror films that have <laughs> no right to exist, but they're fun as fuck to watch. Yeah. Give us yeah. one of those. I mean... I hate to say this, but fucking Countdown had more of a fucking point than this movie. Oh, it did. Oh, no, it did. Like, Black Christmas had more of a fucking point than this movie did. Like, you you had so much potential here. And you had a Michael Pena. You had all this story potential and a Michael Pena. And somehow, you fucked all of it up? Oh, God, Mike. (laughs) Michael. And also... As much as whatever, it was a callback to the the TV show or, you know, even technically kind of setting up for a sequel or whatever. Come on, fuck off with that tattoo at the end. The he's tattoo. Come on, fuck off with that. Fuck off with that. Yeah. You can't do that shit. Fuck that. I get what it is. But that straight up reminded me of the end of Dark Knight Rises, which is really the only part I dislike in that movie. When they're like, oh, I like your real name, Robin. I was like, fuck off and die. Like, don't do that stupid bullshit fan service just because of a name drop. Like, fuck that. That was such a dumb way to end it. You know, like, oh, Tattoo, you work for me now. Fuck off. That really disappointed me. And it made it worse that it was Michael Pena saying it. I was like, Michael Pena, is this what your life has become? Just start a Kickstarter. I'll give you like $5. That's better than like doing this. It's not like he's even hurting for... He's not even like hurting for roles or anything from what I could tell, but I don't know what happened there. God... And it just makes me wish he was in fucking Avengers Endgame even more. At least so, like, I could go watch that and, like, rinse the taste of this bullshit out of my mouth. Like, of Michael Pena. Like, I'm gonna probably watch Ant-Man soon. Just so I can get some nice, fun Michael Pena scenes. What about you guys? I don't know. Why don't y'all talk now? Why don't y'all give some spoilers? Well, some more about Michael Pena, though. I mean, Mr. Pena, like... And that's another thing that made me mad about this role. is just because, like... Uh, Michael Pena is a very charming guy. You know what I mean? He's very charming. He's very convincing. And I don't even know if this film utilized his charms, like to entice these people or to kind of convince these people uh, that something was like, I feel like if the script had allowed him, he could have done a better job and been more charming and everything like that, because that's kind of who Michael Pena is. But this script kind of was like, like whenever he was confronted by somebody and they were like, Oh, the, the fantasy's not going the way I wanted just the, the kind of forceful way in which this script told him to say things. And well, the, you mu- the fantasy must play out. Like it, it wasn't, You know, it wasn't the charming kind of wheel and deal, talk my way out of this Michael Pena that I'm used to, that I know, and I know he can work that magic, you know what I mean? But it was like the script didn't want him to. They just wanted him to be this straightforward guy who was obviously withholding something and just not telling people and look suspicious as hell. Like, where was the charming, I'm going to act like nothing's wrong and everything's okay, Michael Pena? Why didn't they at least give us that? That would have been more fun at least. I want to stop you real quick because I just want to say you're incredibly right, sir. I mean, exactly right. Yeah. No. When was he charming in that movie? 
the like the closest you get to the your grade A charming Michael Pena is the 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 scene I hate with tattoo at the end. That's the closest you get to charming Michael Pena. And like, yeah, it was like let's hire Michael Pena, but tell him not to do Michael Pena. What? Yeah, that's like hiring Tom Cruise and not have him do a crazy ass stunt in a movie. What's the fucking point? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, and, and and this role is so perfect for that, like that sly, charming manipulation that he could do because. Michael Pena does have a very disarming way about him, you know? Like, with the way he smiles and the way he talks, he can disarm you with that. And they don't have it. He's just, he's sitting there and saying lines like he's on a fucking soap opera. Yeah. Yeah. It's the same with with Michael Rooker. What's the point of hiring Michael Rooker to not be Michael Rooker? Like, have him be a fucking creepy guy in the jungle. Not... A weird guy with gray bozo the fucking clown hair that does nothing but kills a guy that shouldn't have been in the movie anyway. Like, he sacrifices himself to kill Dr. Torture. Dr. Torture shouldn't have even been in the movie. So, Michael Rooker shouldn't have even been in the movie. You negate two roles by just fixing the big error of having Dr. Torture in the movie. Like, what the fuck? I'm still just upset by that whole... I'm a doctor with my mouth sewn shut who was apparently a psychologist. <laughs> what the fuck does that even mean? I mean, and also, were any of you guys, I don't want to ask if you were surprised by the end because surprised by the end might mean you cared about the end, which I don't think any of us did at that point. But were, was anybody really surprised at the end when it was all about the burned guy that showed up 90 billion fucking times? Yeah, right. Like, if you look up the definition of the word subtle in this movie, it or in the dictionary, it would say the opposite of the movie Fantasy Island. Because <laughs> that's not the, that is one thing that these filmmakers and screenwriters did not care about, which was subtlety. They shoved in your fucking face that fucking guy 90 billion times. He just kept showing up. <laughs> And I was like, who is this man? I think I yelled it out loud. I think I went, who is this man? <laughs> Just, <laughs> what, he wouldn't tell me anything. Well, that's the thing. is Honestly, <laughs> I didn't care about seeing that man that many times. Because I was like, they're showing this so many times. They're just obviously going to tell me exactly who this is in just a stupid way that I just didn't even care. It's like, just the more I kept seeing him, I'm like, just tell me who he is already. I don't even care. Like, just get it over with. Get it over with. I think that that was my main theme with this movie. Once I realized that they weren't doing it the right way was just get it over with. And it never did. It never got it over with. Even when it did get it over with, I don't really feel like it got it over with. Heather, what about you? Safe. Or no, you can go, oh, just go, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, I mean, this will be quick, Heather. I know <laughs> this will be quick. But what about all those same jump scares, man? Oh, somebody's in the background. Somebody runs by the background, and then a character looks, and then nobody he looks the other way. How come that happens so much? I don't even remember it happening. <laughs> That's the problem. Is I don't even remember it happening because at no point was I on the edge of my seat. At no point did I think anything of consequence was actually going to happen. So, like, if they were even trying to allude to things in the background or anything like that, 
at a certain point, I cared so little, I stopped looking. So when jump scares happened, <laughs> to me, it was just scenes happening. And it just kept happening, like, a uh, character would look, a man is there, oh, oh, no, and then look again, and the man's not there anymore. It just kept happening, man. It just kept doing it can you please just do something different and it did <laughs> it just continued oh my god okay sorry Heather <laughs> no it's all good I mean yeah there I mean that's that's legitimately just kind of the consensus here is just what was the point of most things in that movie I would say probably the best thing about that movie which I would normally say is Michael Pena because I really I just he's one of the best in my opinion he's such a chameleon like he can do anything you know he does have that charming thing about him he has that sincerity and when he says things he has he just has something about him where he can play so many diverse roles in such a very just uncanny flawless way and somehow they just it's almost like that could have been anybody playing that character you know like what was the point in having him be that person um i think probably the the most interesting story or the one that i was most interested in that made most sense to me was maggie q's story um i feel like hers was a more complete story as to why that was her fantasy and like all these things um I don't know, like hers and then the, I, I liked her story the best of everybody's. And then the guy, the military guy, he was okay too, you know, but everyone else is just kind of there. And I'm just like, what, like even the, um, oh, what is her name? Lucy Hale, like her story with her bully, like it, it probably could have been a really good fantasy story if they had done it right. You know, they just didn't. And I totally agree. I was also thinking that when they revealed that she was you know, the one whose fantasy it was that was, you know, doing all these things to the people. I'm like, why was she so adamant about pretending? Like, who was she pretending for when she was just like, oh my gosh, this is my bully? Oh my goodness, what are all these buttons? Oh my goodness. Like, all of that. I'm like, what? Like, who is she pretending for right there? There's literally nobody else there. Like, there was no point in that. So that perfect getaway syndrome that you're talking about, I completely, that was a huge bother for me because I was like, there was no point in that. Like, it really was just to throw off so that you don't guess from the beginning that it's her, you know? And I was just like, okay. Like, I mean, yes, the whole filming it or whatever. I was like, well, maybe she's just doing that because, um, you know, like, they, she just... I don't know, like she just wanted proof of it or whatever. But and so maybe that's why she was acting as if like she had no idea it was happening because she knew she was filming it and that people would see it. But even so, that doesn't really play through for what happens. So you're just like, there was no point in that. There there definitely was not a point in Dr. Torture. There was no need for that either. <laughs> um, most of the characters are very much like, what what's your purpose here? Um but yeah, I mean, I just, oh, and also another thing that bothered me, I don't know if it bothered anybody else, but when the, the two brothers, like their fantasy, when they get, you know, caught and held captive by the guys that come in and he's like, uh, like he's basically threatening to cut him apart and he starts like cutting his hand or his arm or whatever, like that just became a huge, intense, big deal scene and then the next scene when you see him 
there's like literally no cut, no blood on his arm or anything. Like, I don't know if it was just like he was freaking out so much because he was worried about what was going to happen. But to me, it looked like he was actually cutting that guy's arm. You know, like you see the, his hand or whatever, the knife going back and forth. And I thought he was legitimately cutting his arm or his hand. And then you see him, what, 10 minutes later when it cuts back to him and he's just perfectly fine. Like no, no cuts, no blood or anything on him. And I was like, what? Why? Like, it was just weird. I don't know. But just little things like that where you're just like, if you're going to try to like creep people out and make a super intense moment about these types of things like at least make it believable in the next scene too so it just it was very messy i think is probably the biggest word for it like in in the wasted potential of this movie is really the biggest bummer of the whole thing the wasted potential and the wasted michael pena are the biggest bummers of this whole movie um yeah, I mean, just the whole like, oh, we have to get down to the big crystal thing and blow it up and whatever. And there's just, you know, you're you're just kind of like, it, I don't know, it just didn't it didn't flow as well as you wanted it to. You know, the fact that their dreams or I'm sorry, that their fantasies were clashing and connecting together. I was fine with that. And I was actually even fine with the whole part where Maggie Q decided she's going to change her fantasy. I actually think the explanation that they gave of like, no, but if it's really the fantasy desire of my heart, you didn't actually give me that because that deep down really was this. And that's not what you gave me. I actually think her explanation of it and why they switched to that for her, it made sense for what happened. Like I understood that I had no issue with that, but um, just, yeah. And then just the whole thing about everybody being in that fantasy because yeah you're, you're just kind of like if this is a fantasy like why would you be seeing all these other people and then you know they don't explain until a little bit later that oh it wasn't actually her fantasy that was taking place and then you know the whole time like it's just a lot to orchestrate for one person's fantasy you know like she just comes to them i guess lucy hale just comes and says my fantasy is to make all these other people think that they're in a fantasy and then I throw them off and then I decide to kill them all because my fantasy is really to kill all these other people. Like, it just was way too complicated and it was almost like she got a fantasy within a fantasy. So she got to break the rules somehow and it just, none of it made sense or added up to anything and it was disappointing more than anything else. Um, but yeah, other than what you guys said, that's pretty much my thoughts on it. I mean, for me, Heather, I'll say that that particular scene didn't bother me with the, the guy's hand because I just didn't give a fuck at that point. <laughs> That's fair, too. Yes. Because I was very much in get it over with mode at that point. And but I will ask this, though, that is very much tied to the scene you're talking about. Were you guys bothered by the fact that those fantasy demon drug cartel guys felt the need to put their masks back on like the masks mattered? Because they didn't at right. all. And yeah, they, that's true. They didn't add anything. <laughs> to me, it just came across like they only had those guys to film for like five hours. And then they're like, fuck, we need to film more scenes. Just put the masks on <laughs> so we don't have to keep them here and we can just do whatever. Like, it was just so fucking dumb. And that whole, oh, all that black water bullshit. And like when it was all dripping from the ceilings and shit. I'm like, that's not how like, like that would work. Like. Is that whole house just a projection of the island? 
I mean, I guess if that's the case, it works. But, like, what if somebody, like, I don't know. Fuck this. Fuck it. Fuck. Just fuck. (laughs) This movie broke me. I just fuck. (laughs) Oh, man. No, like, what Ella was talking about, about, like, when you get to the end and it seems like it's a fantasy within a fantasy, but if you drink the, the water, then you get one. I just, like... There were just like you said, was the island all composed of this dark water stuff or was the dark water creating like an, an illusion for you? And that's why it knew everything. Was it somehow could, could it somehow read your mind or manipulate your brain? Is that why like Maggie Q saw her um, her husband to be or her husband that she decided not to marry and the, the kid and all of this stuff was this? I mean, obviously there was some elements of magic to it, but th- there was just no explanation of rules or what was happening or anything. So even when you get to the end and this and and um, she's like, well, I concocted all of this. And really, this is my fantasy to get revenge on every single one of you. None of that lands because it doesn't explain any of the rules. And even during that, somebody is like, oh, well. If she drinks this, she gets one. And so a person drinks it and then all of a sudden they can do something. I'm like, wait a minute, what? Like, th- there just weren't really any rules. Like, like, I just didn't really understand. I don't even know how they convinced these people to come to the island. Like, what did they, because when they got there, nobody knew anything <laughs> when they arrived that you would think. That was the other issue. That was the other issue I had. They all came to the island on a plane together, but apparently none of them talked on the plane. Yeah. Like they're all going to Fantasy Island. And it's like they didn't say a word to each other until they were on land. Essentially, it's like those characters didn't exist until the movie started. And then they just told you they existed beforehand by saying this guy burned in a fire beforehand. But you saw no evidence of them existing before the director said action. Yeah, exactly. I, I feel oh, like they ahead. tried to. Sorry, I feel like they tried to cover that a little bit when the, the the military guy kept saying like, "Oh yeah, sorry, no, it was too loud in the plane. I couldn't hear anything." Like, they, I feel like they tried to cover it up because he said that a couple of times, and I don't know why it mattered. It was a fairly maybe nice that's why. plane, though. It wouldn't have been that yeah, loud. Yeah, I know. True, but he said it a couple of times, and so I don't know if maybe that was supposed to be a cover-up of, like, why weren't you talking about it and realizing you had a connection before now, and who knows. But it wouldn't be the craziest thing that happened in the movie, so, you know. You're absolutely right. I mean, I do remember now that you say that, that that was a line of dialogue in the movie. I guess in my mind, it was just like every other line of dialogue in the movie. It just didn't matter. (laughs) So, I don't, I, fuck. <laughs> yeah, it was uh yeah, it was not not the best, I'll say that. I have one more question for you guys. One more, and I promise I'm done at least. Was anybody else slightly weirded out by like the fact that like they kind of just treated the island like a person? Like the island gives me my fantasy and the island these are the island's rules and all this other stuff. Like, who told them? How did you find out the island's rules? Is there like a book somewhere? <laughs> right? Was there somebody, did, did, did the island manifest a person to tell you the rules? Like, what, how did he find out the rules of the island? That he has to give somebody a fantasy, you know, or everybody has to get a fantasy if they're a guest. And, you know, like, where, where did those come from? Yeah, and also, I mean, speaking of the rules, too, like, 
they they did do a lot of breaking their own rules in this movie and it's funny because they were so adamant in this movie about being like oh those are the rules like they were priding themselves on like we followed all the rules of the island but this is still the outcome when really they just were breaking the rules the whole time <laughs> i mean fuck this movie fuck i'm done i'm done with this yeah same yeah me too good oh no see what why do we do this now i'm all i don't i don't want to do the outro anymore because i just i'm done with this episode because i'm done with this movie so i mean we should have done this one first and then ended on the photograph you know because if we had started with this one i wouldn't have wanted to talk about the photograph i would just like i don't want to talk anymore because <laughs> that's what it is is i just don't want to talk anymore because because fuck this movie and thank you guys for listening no no we're on the internet, we're on Facebook and all that shit. Go to those places I say <laughs> on other episodes with more enthusiasm. I don't even want to say like the whole Moon Knight thing. I'm just going to say that, you know, and Moon Knight thing. <laughs> Why, Michael? Why, Michael? Why? Why, Pena, why? Why anything?